0: Everybody gather around, it's time for episode 45 of The Point of Pittsburgh, the podcast. I am your host, Kevin Cray. And I'm Steve DiMaselli. Steve, uh, what's going on? Are you watching any playoffs?
1: You know, most years when the Pirates are eliminated, or really any team that I root for, when they, uh, when they go down, I, uh... I stopped paying attention, um, but this, I've actually been checking in, I've been watching box scores and things like that, haven't watched any, but um, it's been interesting to keep up with it at least, so it's been a little haywire though, so far, not, not exactly uh, not exactly going the way that I would have expected to um, in a lot of cases, you know, with Orioles being swept out um, in the right. uh, divisional series. Yeah, so, that, I have a
0: lot of family in Baltimore, so I sort of adopted the Orioles as my team, And, um, Mm -hmm. man, I was ready for that run, and this is it, you know? Maybe they could be, like, the blueprint for the Pirates. And I was excitedly telling people about, hey, that's Adley Rushman, you know, that's who the Pirates hope Henry Davis can be, and, yeah, look at that Gunnar Henderson. And then uh, they get unceremoniously swept out by a a Rangers team that decided to show up and play some playoff baseball this year so far.
1: A Rangers team that has... The Austin Hedges on it yeah i'm I'm not I'm not ready to talk about that yet
0: <laughs> the, the thought of to,
1: he's going to the al championship series baby
0: the thought of Austin Hedges getting a World Series ring like it it makes me slightly nauseous.
1: yeah well he's still got a little work to do, but he's already played spoiler once so uh, we'll see how it goes so. But, yeah. you know, you just don't you got to put more um, got to put more emphasis on that pitch framing. That's all I'm going to
0: say. So um, before we get too far to, down the line, I'm, I'm enjoying our new segment. Where'd you eat last week? So uh, do you have anything you want to share? Because I actually have something. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. No, no, I definitely do as well, too. So. um, So I went to a place that I've gone to. I've gone there once before. Um, but it was just se- sort of seemed like a a normal, um, normal normal sushi you know Asian sort of restaurant uh, Japanese restaurant really. Um, that's Yoshini or Yoshino Asian Fusion in Shady Side. Have you ever been there before? No, oh, no, never heard of it. Okay, so I I mean, you know they um, I think their claim to f- fame is they they serve sushi in weird shit. I mean like they've got like a if you if you spend enough money they like send it your sushi out in this like big ship like wow. model ship nice. it's pretty wild.
0: Nice. Um
1: first time we went there Thursday night, no one was there. Went there on a Sunday and it was absolutely packed. Absolutely packed. Like I was I was blown away. I, I thought you know we barely got a table. Um, you know, and they were definitely on a nice long wait by the time we were leaving. Um, but it's good stuff. I mean, they have good, good sushi. Um, I think I ended up, uh, uh, sushi in an, uh, in an udon dish or udon, udon dish. There we go. That's, that's more, that's more like it. Um, uh, but it was very good. Really, really good stuff. How about you? Where'd you go this week?
0: So my, my lady friend and I got to, uh, escape from Shawshank for one night mm. and she wanted to go to 40 North uh at alphabet city which is in the mexican war streets just a block or so down from the old garden theater which they're turning into luxury apartments believe that or not and uh we had a delightful time because it's connected to a bookstore which she loves and she was able to browse books while our food was being prepared and it was a delightful meal um she had a falafel dish and the falafel itself was very good and Nicely presented, but if you're gonna get the if you're gonna go there, get the falafel, especially for the seasoned beets, which is not a sentence mm. that many people utter very often. But uh, her beets were excellent. I ended up eating about half of them. Mm. I didn't really feel didn't really feel guilty about eating most of her beets either. You know, I don't eat beets. I I gotta say they're not something that I'm like. Actively searching out but
1: I, I like them I just don't like feeling like I have colon cancer The next day
0: <laughs> Wow uh, Yes Is that our first poop joke? Uh, it, we it made might it 45
1: be... episodes and, and, and that's our first poop joke?
0: I think so uh, Wow Yeah, Yeah <laughs> Yep Yep well That's uh, pretty good for me. I usually that, get to I usually get around that, to those a little sooner than that, but that, that is pretty good. So you know, I I'm I'm a little bit with you as well on the playoffs that especially now that the Orioles have been eliminated. Uh I can't say I'm like an active fan of any of the other teams. Um there's things about all the teams that I like and there's things that I don't like. Uh I think the Phillies-Braves series has been a lot of fun to watch, but it's really hard as a Pittsburgher to root for either of those franchises. Okay. Um, but uh, it, you know, I've seen a lot of grumbling from a lot of crabby-ass people about how, for example, the Orioles had a hundred some wins and then get swept out uh, after sitting out for a week while they wait for the wild card. And then I saw people losing the wild card, you know, two games, nothing, and people complain about that. It seems like no one can just ever be happy about the playoffs and no one really understands the concepts of small sample size and variance. So
1: yeah, I, I mean, the concept of the playoffs after you play a 162 game season, whether it's a three game series, a five game series, a seven game series, or even like a 11 game series like to me it's just it's completely absurd um i i mean like i don't know how you can be a rational human being and buy that the playoffs in in any sport really are relevant you know i mean i i guess i can buy it a little bit more in in football um you know it's a little closer in basketball because um you know, just the sheer amount of possessions per game over a seven-game series. You know, the better team almost always comes out on top in reality. Um, it's hard to fake it in basketball. But but for baseball, um, you know, you get two good front-of-the-rotation pitchers, and, and, I mean, you can lock it down. Like, I mean, I, I think that the Braves are a much better team than the Phillies. Um, as evidenced by their regular season record, but I think the Phillies have a better overall rotation. I mean, you know, Spencer Strider's is obviously great, you know, but Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola in the front. Um, you know, you, you you need more than one good, like really great pitcher to sort of, um, you know, to to sort of capture uh, each round. You know, especially these short rounds like this. You know, um, but yeah, I mean, I. I, you're Nothing that happens in this playoffs is going to convince me that the Atlanta Braves are not the best team in the East, and that the baltimore are not the best team in the East, and the, be, the best team in the NL. And nothing's going to convince me that the Baltimore Orioles aren't the best team in the AL. Because again, we have a 162-game sample. Those are the teams. Those are the guys— um, you know, they, they came through that test and, and were the best. Um, I'm, uh, you know, they're never going to do this because it's play or, you know, it's, it's TV revenue, but I'm all for, if you want to do a world series, fine, whatever. Um, you know, but, but just take the, the best record in, in the AL, take the best record in the NL or hell, take the two best records, um, take the two best records in baseball and let them play each other. Never going to happen. But I mean, I think that makes a lot more sense than the nonsense that they have going on right now.
0: And if you would do that, people would still complain if the best team lost. You know, yeah. it, it just seems uh, uh, the amount of whining I've seen from national media members is just Unbelievable. You know? Yeah,
1: I, I, and, and I hope this doesn't constitute whining on my end, but I'm just saying, no,
0: it's, it's at just, least cr- it, it's creative just, it's
1: whining. A, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's 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 highlighting a mathematical absurdity, in my humble yes. opinion, a statistical absurdity. Um, you know, and and it's just not a lot of value. Um, I, I know it's a hot take. I'm literally the only one on this bridge. You know, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm the only one I may, maybe I'd love it if, if I can somehow if I can somehow find one other person that buys this this nonsense that I'm talking. It's not nonsense. Actually, it's perfect sense, you know, but the best sense. Um, but uh, if I can just find one or two other people that'll just, you know, that'll just just run right with me and, and and put themselves out there go against the grain, you know, with me. I I I'd love it because like I said, I I just don't understand how people like I don't understand why more emphasis and more value is not put on the teams with the best records at the end of the regular season. They they're just way it's almost ignored, like it's not even a thing. Like it's meaningless. Like I I just don't get that. I think it's silly. Hmm.
0: Well, uh yes. So I think it's a good time now uh, with all the NL Central teams eliminated from playoff contention. It's probably a good time to reflect uh, and look ahead to the 2024 season and kind of get like a state of the NL Central. So Steve and I thought it'd be an interesting way to maybe just go uh, one team at a time, give a little thumbnail sketch on what we each think of the team and where they might be headed in 2024 and kind of like a little mini early off season forecast for each of them. Yeah.
1: And again, I, I, this is not intended to be any kind of, this is not intended to be any real predictive measure. This isn't like a preview of next season. A lot's going to happen between now and then before we can even think about, you know uh, about that, but you know, like, like you were saying, just kind of a bit of a rundown. So, um, so where do you want to start?
0: Might as well start with the team that's kind of defined the NL Central and been a thorn in everyone's side for the past, uh, ever. And that's the St. Louis Cardinals.
1: Uh, except this season. So glorious, yep. glorious this season. I know. So, yep. um,
0: the, the, he... the air smelled a little sweeter all year.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, uh. Just Because I didn't have to go to St. Louis this year, so. Um, but anyway, um, my general take with the uh, uh, the Cardinals, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the real, real quick abbreviated take here. But I think that they have an excellent lineup, and one that I think has potential to be even better next year. Um, you know, if, if Goldschmidt and Arenado kind of get back to doing their thing. Um, great lineup, uh, just mediocre, mediocre rotation at this point. That's actually only going to get a little bit worse, um, with the departure of, of Jordan Montgomery. Uh, just not, uh, not much in the system. Um, you know, especially with Matt, uh, Matthew Libertore, um, struggling still, you know, um, he might, uh, he, you know, he, he's, Probably going to end up out of necessity making the rotation next year, but they have some holes. Um, They've got some serious, serious holes um, in their pitching staff.
0: So using the MLB trade rumor arbitration numbers, which are always very accurate, and cots for the Cardinals, the uh, Cardinals are projected to have a $26 million arbitration class, which is not too bad. And they're projected at this moment to have a hundred and forty-three million dollar uh, opening day payroll, which would be thirty-three million dollars less than the payroll they had this year. Um, my personal opinion is that they should do a soft reload, not a rebuild. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've already wish casted Paul Goldschmidt over to the Pirates, but the truth is that he's thirty-six years old. This is his final year under contract, coming up in twenty twenty four. Arenado is thirty three years old. Um, Miles Mikolas is thirty five. I'm not really sure exactly what the market would be for him, but they they got some they got some old heads floating around here, and it might be a good idea for them to do a little bit of a retrench and try to do a quick rebuild on the fly because, like you said, their system. Is not as robust as uh, one would think it would be, but they would still have you know if you maybe make some trades and make some moderate uh, mid-tier free agent signings, you can maybe like I said, do a soft rebuild on the fly here.
1: Yeah, I don't think that they're going to do that. Um, I agree. I just but,
0: think that they should.
1: I, I yeah. Oh, I agree with that. I, I think that they have. I think they have probably. Because of how high the organization's been for so long, I think that they're going to have a really, really strong case of loser denial this offseason. Um, I've read that they're looking to add two arms to the rotation. So um, you figure two guys around 15 million, that's probably uh, a year that puts them around where they, you know, where they were last year. Um yep. You know they, they still do have some controllable guys, some cheap controllable guys. So they have a nice little foundation to build around. And I agree, I think that a soft rebuild um, would do the trick. But I, again, I just don't see them doing that. So especially if if the Cardinals end up sort of muddling along and sort of like staying relevant, you know, past the trade deadline. Um, you know, and then somehow miss the playoffs this season. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be an actual disaster for them, I think, because you know Goldschmidt's gonna be gone. They're not gonna get anything for him. You know, save for maybe a compensatory draft pick. Uh, and even then, I mean, you know, I don't know how much teams are gonna shell out for him, especially if he has. You know, I mean, he's getting up there, and and the numbers are declining a touch already. Um, you know, I I don't know. I just. Um, I wish nothing but the worst for them. You know, it's really it's really what it comes down to, and 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 I think that they're going to screw this up. Uh, I, I you know, uh, you know, can they be competitive next year? Sure, if they get if they get it right in the, uh, in the rotation department, I I think that they can. But uh, you know, it's it's going to be tough.
0: Well, let's move on to a little bit of a sister city for for Pittsburgh, and that's uh, Cincinnati. Um, I infamously, on the opening day podcast when the Pirates were beating the brakes off the Reds, uh, pretty much said that they were a terrible team that didn't really have much of a foreseeable future uh, in the next couple years, and that quickly was proven wrong. I still don't quite see how they did it this year because I look at that pitching staff and I see Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo, who are always hurt, And a whole bunch of smoke and mirrors after that. And uh, I don't really quite understand this team. They have a $21 million arbitration class, but hold on to your hat, a projected $34 million opening payroll. Wow. Uh, 34. So they got a lot of spending room um, that they could be augmenting this team and... With the situation that they had this year, you got to figure that they think that they are just a few players away from doing it. Um, even if you go by just their payroll this year of $83 million, that gives them almost $50 million of capital to invest into this team.
1: Yeah, um, I, think,
0: um,
1: I think this is a pretty decent team. Uh, I, I think we were wrong. I, I still do think that a lot of their players are sort of uh, a lot of the prospects they brought up are still the middle infielder sort of types. Um, you know, uh, I, you know, I, I don't really. That said, though, I mean, I, I the only difference that I see between them and the Pirates right now is that their prospects, um, their prospects got some stuff done right away this year. You know, I mean, yeah. like, uh, you look at, um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to to sustain that. It also doesn't mean that the Pirates prospects are, like, toast either. Um, but, you know, you look at what some of these guys that just got called up for them, what their BABIPs were, um, you know, for a good chunk of the season. I mean, like, uh, you know, Matt McLean's not going to sustain 385 you know uh, i mean Jared jarrtul is not going to sustain 410 or whatever he was at you know um either you know but uh, you know I, I just um you know I, I there's there's some uh there's there's some some uh i agree there's some smoke and mirrors here now uh, their capacity to spend is going to be dangerous that said i think that they could make some mistakes too um i, I mean you, you i could see them you know, doing the nostalgic thing. And, you know, Joey Votto hasn't said that he's going to hang it up. Um, you know, I, I, he could very easily come back and they could, you know, uh, you know, piss some money away on him, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I, I do agree with you, though. You you put a couple of corner bats, some, some upgrades at some corner positions onto this team, um, you know, and maybe a couple of, uh, yeah, maybe a more reliable starting pitcher, um, and, and yeah, they could, they could become more dangerous. Um, I don't think if they, if they decide not to do much, I don't know if this team's, you know, I, I, I think they're pretty comparable to the Pirates, honestly. But, um, if, if they, if they blow the doors off and they end up spending, you know, 50, 60 million dollars, which they easily could, um, you could do stuff. I mean, I don't know if it makes them a real contender. Um, because again, I, I, think that their floor, is a lot lower than where they finish this year, next season. Um, so, but we'll you know we'll see. Um, you know, I I, I I do like them certainly more heading into this season than I did heading into to to this this last year.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, we're gonna move over to Chicago, and this is always a team that I, I've referred to them many times in the past like a sleeping giant. They just feel like they they should be dominating this division every year, um, just with the amount of payroll that they could and should be throwing at this team, and it's almost like they choose to play down to their market competition. Um, they have a very small arbitration class in terms of price of just $18 million, projected to have a $169 million opening payroll, uh, which it gives them a little bit of, uh, spending room. You know, if if you just go by where they habitually are, I mean, this year they're at 184, So that, you know, only 15 million, I got to figure they're going to be in the market for, uh, one of the Asian pitchers that are coming over. Um, they've always been a great destination for the Asian players. Uh, Saya Suzuki was a right fielder this year, and he quietly had a really good season. Um, Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, people weren't really talking about him too much. Uh, Now, he obviously had the really bad error at the end of the year, um, but he had a really good season. And I could see the Cubs kind of dipping their toe back into the Japanese-Korean market.
1: Yeah, I I think that that's probably true, and there's definitely some value there. I mean, there's a little bit more risk because they've never actually played in the majors as well. But, um, you know, I think that this team, a lot of this team's success, uh, if you want to call it that, this year, was really built on their head-to-head with the Pirates. Um, If you even that, so it's 3-10, or the Pirates went 3-10 against them. Uh, negative or fifty-two run differential. That's almost half of the. I mean, you know, that's more than half of either team's positive or negative run differential, um, which is pretty remarkable. That's uh, that's a lot to dump on one team. You you figure the Pirates improved that by three games uh, to six and seven, and and these two teams only finished a game would have finished a game apart um, this mm-hmm. past year. Um, I like some elements, uh, to what the, uh, the Cubs have here. Uh, I like the, um, you know, I, I like some, some players they got in the, uh, road or I mean, in, in the lineup, I mean, Dansby Swanson's obviously a stud, you know, um, Cody Bellinger, correct me if I, am he is under con- uh, contract with them again for next year, correct? No, no he's not. Please. He's a free agent. Oh man. Yeah. He's going to get paid. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, there's some also some guys here. Like I, I agree with you. I think say Se- say Se- Suzuki could end up being better next year. But there's some of guys that on on this team that I th- I think you know, uh, you know I I I I don't see them repeating what they did this season. I mean, is is Nico Horner gonna slap his way into the hearts and minds of you know of everyone? You know, next season again. I mean, is he gonna is he gonna accumulate a four point seven war with a 100 ISO again next season? I mean, probably not, you know, but they've got, they've got some potential for impact bats here. Um, you know, but people talk about wanting to spend and in Pittsburgh, um, you know, but the reality of it is, and I think the Cubs are a great example of this, but you just can't, you can't spend your way to you can't spend your way to victory all the time it's just the the, the way they are you know and 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 even then you know as much as they are a small a large market team they're the only real large market team in this division um are not that massive you know there's there's uh, definitely other bigger teams out there um you know and and you know the chances are the cubs are going to spend maybe 20 to 30 million dollars more at, you know, what what is twenty to thirty million dollars gonna get you that's gonna make this team actually into a serious contender? I, I just don't see it,
0: you know. I I think what they're gonna do is they're they're going to get a pitcher, whether it's from the Asian market or or you know, the US market. Sure. And they may have to move a little money out to create a little bit of room. Um, I, I'm sure they're gonna try to take a run at Bellinger. So if they want to do Bellinger plus a pitcher, they got to start, you know, moving a little bit of money around. Um, they don't have, I don't know if there's any market for Marcus Stroman, but that'd be $21 million. It'd be useful if they could uh, move that out. Um, you know, He so could they, opt out. He could opt out.
1: He's not going to opt out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's sticking. He's sticking around. That dude. I
0: I gotta figure they aren't really thrilled with Jameson Tyon. No, um, and he's still got three more years at eighteen million each. Um, so you know they 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 can do some things here and there uh, to maybe move a little bit of money around, and it might just be like a smaller thing, like a like a Yon Gomes type of deal, you know, I, moving him out or or not picking up his option. So they have some. They have some choices. So that leaves us with one team, and that's the team that's been um, kind of the North Star of of the Central for the past few years, especially with their pitching, and that's the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, They have an absolutely gigantic potential arbitration class of 70 million uh, just of arbitration players. And that's most of their payroll, which is one hundred fourteen. So that doesn't leave them a ton of room either. But only about ten to fifteen million of of payroll. Um, and, and as I've said, that Cincinnati and Milwaukee are really the the teams that the Pirates should be emulating in terms of payroll capacity. Um, so they they just have a lot of key guys. Um, if you think of like a good. Brewers starting pitcher he's up for arbitration and he's up for Mm -hmm. a big big number right uh you know Corbin Burns had a very problematic uh time with arbitration last year um but they have Brandon Woodruff up as well um they have Willie Ademis who's you know middle infielder type he's up for 12 million as well uh you know, they, they just have some big names that are going to be sucking up a lot of money. Uh, now, of course, you know, maybe not all these guys get tendered. Uh, I don't know that for sure, but, you know, they're definitely going to be tendering Devin Williams uh, sure. at $6.5 So they got a lot of key guys. And, I, you know, I'm going to let you obviously weigh in with your thoughts, but uh, there's part of me that if I'm sitting in the Brewers' off front office... I'm wondering if I've taken it as far as I could go with this group and that I'm not mm. saying you do a, I'm not saying you do a rebuild, but maybe you move let's I'm just going to put out Corbin burns. maybe you move a Corbin burns, see what you can get maybe bring in some other different type of pitcher or some other piece that you need that you can maybe reallocate that 15 million. Um, you know, maybe you're doing like a baseball type of trade where you're moving one good player out and getting one good player back. Right. I, yeah. So I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts on the Brewers?
1: Yeah. So, I, I mean, I do think that the Brewers are in a different spending class than the Pirates though, um, because their fans actually show up when the team is struggling. So, I, I mean, there's a little less, they can spend some money on contracts because there's a little less risk involved with you know attendance just falling off the table you know um if they do if things don't work out in a given season i, I don't really have a handle on this team man i, I you know again the pitching's great I, I think their lineup is really just lacking um i don't think that they have the pieces for a team to win this division but yet they won the division um you know i, I i'm i'm kind of with you In the sense that, you know, I mean, obviously when you have $70 million, um, in arbitration, that means that your talent is nearing the end of its controllable days. Um, you know, so I I mean, would they be smart to maybe think about, you know, chipping away and getting some more controllable pieces for like Barnes or, you know, Burns? Yeah, I think they would. Are they going to do that? Probably not. You know, um that's not really how they do although they did um I, I could see Devin Williams getting moved on um they seem to be willing to 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 move relief pitchers um you know what, that are, that have a little bit of control left so I, I could see yeah. that happening but I don't see them training a starter
0: yeah I, I mean I just I'm with you on this team and um I just don't get it uh Christian Christian Yelich. It, I mean that's it's it's a little bit of a sad story, and you know I, I hate to even like have any empathy for the Brewers, but he's he had a he's had a little bit of a rebound lately, but those days of him you know being T five on MVP ballots, those days are gone. Yeah. Um, and you, you look at the rest of this team, and I just don't really know where the impact is is going to come. Now, that said. The number two prospect in all of MLB behind right. Jackson Holliday is Jackson Shurio, uh, who's an outfielder for the Brewers, and he's expected to come up next year. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a way that they can start to maybe inject some some youth and talent. But if you look just at the projected future values of their prospects, it's a little bit of Jackson Churio or bust. I mean, they don't right. have a sing- single other fifty rated prospects. So
1: and, and it's they, not like every other team in the division doesn't have a recent sixty prospect that they've called up or are in the process of right. calling up. Like, I mean everybody's got one. You know, yeah, so yeah. Um, you know I I mean it's not like a competitive advantage. Um my my general take, my general overview with the um, with the Central is is I think it's I think it's gonna be a very competitive division within the division, but I don't think it's going to be a competitive division outside of the division for some time. You know, it's, it's going to be fine. And I think literally, I think any team is going to have a shot at winning it next year, you know, if they play their cards right. Um, But I also, you know, I I think any team in the division could also finish in last. Um, You know, and, and, and again, I, I, you know, if, don't get me wrong, again, I think that the the playoffs are nonsense, as I started earlier. But if, if if picking a World Series winner out of this group is uh, important, you know, I, I mean it's it's they're gonna have a, they're gonna have a slightly tougher road, I feel like. Um, but that being said, if you make it in even as a wild card, you got as just as much of a good uh, just as much of a shot as anybody else, as far as I am concerned. So, uh, you know, but yeah, I mean that's that's my take overall. Thoughts?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that was a pretty good look at the division. Um, you know, obviously we didn't talk about the Pirates. We're going to really delve into them in a lot more depth. Uh, I've gone on record many, many, many times. I'll go on one more time. I think this team's going to make the playoffs next year. Um, mm-hmm. not, now that's a little bit of a leap of faith because, you know, we talked about the rookies not really shown out uh, as much as I'd hoped they would. But they have a ton of spending capacity, too, and um, there's a a very much a will of commitment to to maybe making this team make that next step. And, you know, if you win 76 games, we saw an 84-win team get in this year. Uh, That's a lot of just fixing up games against the Cubs. That's a lot of one-run luck in games. Um, even without a whole lot of tweaks, which I do think they will still do. Yeah. So we'll be talking more about the Pirates, of course, but um, I think that was a good look at the rest of the Division.
1: Yeah, I so agree. So it's
0: probably a good time to part ways um, and say adieu to our listeners. Uh, I'm your co-host, Kevin Cray. And I'm Steve DiMaselli. Thanks for listening.